Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here, episode 101, and it's been a while since we've had a solo podcast, just you and I having a conversation, and frankly, I need you. I was at the gym recently. Um, Well, actually, I was at the gym at the Wynn Hotel in Las Vegas. I had gone to Las Vegas with Janine Laudenbach, and for those of you who don't know Janine, she's our programming specialist at Business of Design. So we had gone to Las Vegas to have a meeting with the Las Vegas market people about the Business of Design conference in January of 2020. Promise me you'll come, it's gonna be amazing. And after we had completed our work at the market, we decided to head back to the hotel and do something nice for ourselves. So we immediately booked a massage. And by the way, Lisa at the Wynn Massage, I don't even know her last name, but oh my gosh, what a life-changing experience. She was amazing. So we booked the massage and before we did the massage, we decided to work out in the gym. So Now, back to the story. I'm at the gym. I'm on the elliptical machine. I'm watching some music videos. Janine is beside me. We're having a great time. She's watching her music. I'm watching mine. And an Ariana Grande song comes on. Two thoughts run through my mind. Number one, it is so not fair that I can't sing like Ariana Grande. (laughs) Like, seriously, it's just wrong, but that's how it is. And number two, the song lyrics, super catchy tune, featuring Iggy Azalea, I think that's how you say Iggy's name, and this song has all this amazing singing uh, with the two of them, and then the refrain is kind of Iggy whispering, I got one less problem without ya, I got one less problem without ya, I got one less problem without ya, I got one less, one less problem, something like that, and it hits me, I need to fire a client, I need one less problem. Man, so this episode is all about the times I've had the courage to have one less problem. Even though it can be really scary, uh, and I certainly found that to be true this time, this most recent time, and I did let this particular client go, I'm going to tell you about it and why it came to that. And if you're willing to learn from my mistakes, you're welcome. You don't have to repeat the mistakes yourself. We are definitely in this together. And I promise, no more singing. Ha! Before I jump in, though, let me say hello to Cheryl Moore. Hey, Cheryl, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm looking forward to the webinar coming up for our members, our Business of Design members, the group coaching call. Give us the details. Yeah, it's this Wednesday, uh, 1 p.m. EST. Uh, Registration's open. It's not too late to register. Uh, If you're not able to attend, you don't have to register, but feel free to send me your questions in advance. Uh, The recording is available to all of our members afterwards. And then we also have a couple other events coming up. Australia is right around the corner. You're leaving so soon. I'm packed. I'm ready. I'm so excited. (laughs) 
Um, We've been countdown for a while. And we have so many awesome members from Australia. We had a, a couple of Australians, three actually, uh, at, at the Palm Springs Elite Retreat last year. Um, so that was really fun. And I just want to say this one funny thing. The three Australians who came, I'm not going to name them in case they, we didn't ask their permission to name them. Uh, but anyway, during the course of the weekend, they kept saying, we need to sit down with you and talk to you about how Australia is different than the U.S. or than Canada. And I said, okay, we'll make time, we'll make time. And by the end of the weekend, we did. We scheduled a coffee date, and it was going to be the Aussies and Business of Design and anybody else who wanted to come. And pretty much everybody from the retreat showed up. The long and short of it is absolutely nothing is different in Australia than in the United States and Canada. It's just incredible to me, no matter how far away people are, we all have the same issues, right? Yeah, I get that question all the time from, um, you know, podcast listeners, people thinking about joining up for membership. It's, I live in the UK, I live in Australia, are these systems going to work for me? And we have dozens of members in each of these cities. Um, I think the Australia event you're uh, joining, we've got 20, 25 of our members going to be there. It's going to be really nice for you to put some faces with all the names that we've been talking to for so long. Uh, it really, really is. And we have, of course, a meetup happening as well at high point not so much a meetup as an intensive learning experience which is what we like to do yes but it'll be fun too <laughs> um that's coming up on april 5th from nine to noon it's a three-hour ceu course and that's going to be pretty intense if you are uh trying to implement the 15 steps on your own if you're just getting started and want to sort of fast track that beginning process this is going to be an intensive um look at steps one to three right and you do not have to be a business of design member to sign up for the seminar at high point i think if you do sign up for that seminar, it's very likely you'll want to be a member at the end of it. Uh, but we will be getting deep into business, including talking about contracts and retainers and how to sell that consultation. So it's going to be a really good morning of heavy lifting, I guess is the best way to describe it. <laughs> and I full details for all of these events are available at businessofdesign.com. Perfect. I also want to mention Friday. March 22nd, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m., some deep dive learning for everyone who comes to see us in Melbourne. And don't forget there's a cocktail party to follow. Perfect. Can't wait. It's probably a good idea they don't give me a cocktail before. All right. Thanks, Cheryl. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results. For independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
If you're new to the podcast and uh, you're wondering what I do when I'm not traveling to Las Vegas or Australia or High Point, the answer is I'm a full-time interior design professional. I uh, have a variety of clients on the go and projects on the go at various stages of renovation and decoration. Um, The office is pretty busy all the time and um, implementing the systems and procedures that we now teach at Business of Design has created a business where I have maximum flexibility. So I can afford to move around a fair bit, but I still have a lot of work that I have to do all the time. And one of the things that has been phenomenally satisfying to me in my career since I introduced systems and procedures is the fact that so many of my customers are repeat or referral. Um, And I mentioned at the top of the show that I needed to let a client go. And I want to be really clear about the fact that the client is a beautiful, lovely person. I really adore her and her husband. The fact that I had to let her go has nothing to do with her and everything to do with me and it's a situation that I created myself which is humbling to admit to all of you after all I'm teaching systems and strategies and I'm constantly talking about creating rules that allow you to be your best self and maximize your efforts and maximize profitability etc and reminding you as well, once you have those rules and systems in place, don't break them. So it sort of makes you scratch your head when you hear me say the next thing, which is I broke a rule and the result was the project didn't get started strong. And I know from experience the way the project starts is the way the project ends. So that's why we put so much emphasis when I'm out in a public space educating or teaching a seminar like the one I'm teaching at High Point, Run Projects Like a Boss. So much emphasis on the beginning of the project because I know if I launch that project like a boss, I'm going to finish that project like a boss and everyone's going to be happy at the end of it and I'm going to have a repeat and referral customer. But if I don't, for whatever reason, no matter how logical and sane the reasoning is, it's not going to go well. So that's where I found myself this month, believe it or not, this month, all these years later, um, having not been fired myself from a project in many, many years, which I'm very grateful for, but I did put myself in a position where I needed to let go of a customer, and the customer is a lovely person, as I said. So let me tell you what happened. A client phoned us. This was our third project we did with this customer, and they had purchased a new home and were going to gut it, basically. It was going to be a brand new home when we were all finished. Really exciting stuff. And of course, they're in a hurry. They have only three months to go before they get control of the property, and Um, They would like to get as much done prior to them taking possession of the house as possible. That makes sense. That's how I'd feel as well. So in January, we met and we did a consultation. And when we showed up for the consultation, uh, the client was there, her real estate agent was there, and then the person who was currently living in the home, who wasn't the owner but was a renter, was living there as well. And it turns out that the renter was extremely difficult and did not want to give the new home buyer much opportunity to be in the home. 
So he decided he was going to make it as uncomfortable as possible for everybody there. So we had this two-hour consultation booked. It was freezing cold, by the way. It was January. It was absolutely frigid. And we show up all together. We all arrive at the exact same moment, the client, the realtor, and, and myself. And we knock on the door and no answer. We ring the bell, no answer. We all go back to our cars to wait because it's freezing. And it takes a while, but perhaps 30 minutes later, the renter shows up and allows us to enter the home. So now we have an hour and a half left. Let's say I wanted to be kind and generous and extend the time period to two hours in order to get my job done. In this situation, it's the third time I've worked with this customer. I really like her. I probably would have done that. But no, the renter is determined that we are going to leave at the time scheduled. So now we have a half hour less than we were going to have. Let me tell you where I made my first error. Error number one. I decided, since this client is so nice and I've worked with her before, I would bring someone with me who could measure the house while I'm doing the consultation. And then we would have base plans ready to go after the consultation. Normally we would do that at trade day at step three. But I think to myself, because I'm so smart, what could it hurt? And that's what we did. So I had, um, I had someone from my team there ready to do the measuring, but of course an hour and a half to measure an entire home top to bottom that requires a lot of work is really not enough time. Nonetheless, he got the majority of the house measured and we were able to have some base plans ready to go. Let's call that mistake number one, even though it's not evident that something's gone off the beam yet, but I'm just gonna name that as being the very first thing I did that was out of the ordinary. And that's the problem with these allowances. They seem so simple at the beginning. They seem so logical and reasonable. And I like to think of myself as a logical, reasonable, flexible person. And so uh, what could it hurt? Um, so, but just for the sake of argument, let's call that mistake number one. During the consultation, the client mentions the budget that she would like to spend, uh, which is $400,000. And I am able to tell her right then on the spot, there's absolutely no way to do what you want to do for $400,000. Now, I can't always do that. I can't always say definitively that a budget is too small. But in this case, I'm 100% certain because we just finished two projects in the last year that were a similar scale, and each of those two projects was over a million dollars. So I can say absolutely with certainty, there's no way that $400,000 works. And so she hems and haws and comes back and says, well, maybe 700000 And I give my standard response, which is, it is going to be up to you and your husband what you spend on the project. I am not going to dictate what you spend. But I can assure you that $700,000, while it's a lot of money, and it will buy you a lot of things, will not get you every single thing you've told me that's on your wish list. And she said, well, leave that with me and I'll talk to my husband and we'll work it out. The consultation ended, everything was great. She immediately signed the contract and sent a retainer and off we go. Now, because I already had base plans and because we had all of February and March to go before they got possession of the house, I decided 
in my infinite wisdom that we would actually prepare plans prior to trade day. So we would prepare our plans, we would do our drawings of at least the plans only prior to trade day. I reasoned to myself that that would be really nice for my team for a change to have a set of working plans because normally we come into the house and we talk about possibilities but there's no drawing on paper at that point because we haven't even taken the initial measurements but in my wisdom I think this is a really smart idea and as we are heading toward trade day which is supposed to happen in March uh, because the renter will not allow the clients to come back into the home until March because they're super busy and have all kinds of things planned and it won't possibly work. So now we have a trade day scheduled in March and I think to myself, wow, we're going to lose these two months where we have the base plans and we have the bandwidth right now at the office where we could get these things going. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, I'm just going to tweak this a little bit and I'm going to schedule a Zoom call with my clients and I'm going to show them the plan uh, that we're proposing. I'm going to get them to say yes and then we're going to have those plans printed in advance of trade day and at trade day we'll really be able to fast track everything. So how, I'm wondering how many of you listening right now are thinking to yourselves like oh my gosh what an idiot versus how many of you are thinking that seems really reasonable why wouldn't you do that? I do that all the time. Well let me just Spoiler alert and say that turned out to be a huge mistake. Mistake number two was a doozy. Here's why. I did the meeting with the clients. They really liked everything, but they weren't 100% sure. Why weren't they sure? They weren't sure because they didn't have the elevations to back up the plans. And I have found from experience that when clients see plans alone, they always need to also see elevations or sketches to make it come alive for them. And I know that, but I thought, you know, this is the third project we've done for these clients. They're going to understand that we will get to all of that. But you know what? They didn't. So they asked questions which would have been answered by elevations. Still, I'm thinking to myself, I'm optimistic. It really does seem like everything is going great. And so we end the meeting. We have a plan. Life is good. I'm feeling kind of smug and kind of smart because, yeah, I made the rules, but I'm flexible. And here I've massaged them a little and they work just fine. So a couple of weeks go by and we begin to work on some of the elevations and the client phones me and says, can we talk? So we schedule another Zoom meeting and now remember, typically I meet them at the consultation. The next time I see them at the, is at trade day. So now we've had a consultation and two Zoom meetings, but no trade day. So they want to have this other Zoom meeting to go through the plans again and they go through the plans again, but now they've got a million variations they want to try out because they were talking to a friend, they were talking to a neighbor, they were talking to a sister-in-law. And so we run through all of their ideas. Uh, most of them are not usable and I explained why we thought of that but we don't think it works. One of their ideas was great, it's a variation, we could do that, no problem. We make the changes and I think we're on track again. You already know it's going to happen, right? Two weeks later, phone call, can we set up another Zoom meeting? And now I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, what have I done? What have I done? This is now consultation, three Zoom meetings before trade day. So we set up another Zoom meeting, same thing. The client is kind of freaking out. They have all these questions. They don't understand how it's going to work. And every single question they have would have been completely and fully answered at 
the presentation without exception. There's absolutely no reason they should be having any stress. And so I'm trying to talk them down off the ledge, explain we've worked together before, you know how we are. I only worked out of order this time to get us ahead of things, but don't panic, everything will be fine. Now at this meeting, here comes mistake number three. How many mistakes can you make in a project? I will go head to head with anyone listening, I promise. Mistake number three, the client says in front of her husband, now Kimberly, you did tell us that all of this could be done for $500,000. I'm just gobsmacked. Absolutely, I didn't say that. So I make that clear. I say, um, actually, I never said anything of the sort. You said 400, I said over a million, then you said maybe seven, and I said still over a million. I never said 500,000. But now I can tell the husband is extremely uncomfortable because the wife has told him something that wasn't true And you know how it is. You don't want to get involved in anyone's marriage. However, she has to deal with that situation with her husband. I was never privy to that before. But I can tell he's uncomfortable. And then the husband says, well, what if I did some of the project management myself? Would we save money? And I knew right then it was over. I knew right then I lost control of the project, I created unnecessary stress for my clients, and that everything that was kind of going wrong was 100% my fault. I, I really hope some of you will reach out and say you understand this and you get this because sometimes just talking to myself like this, I think I am crazy and I'm the only one. So hopefully some of you will say totally identified. Yes, I agree with you. Some of you will say, no, you're absolutely wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. The clients were just crazy or whatever, but really they weren't. They aren't. They're fabulous people. And I know Had I just followed my own protocols and done a presentation, they would have signed a check and we would have started the project. So I'm 100% clear on that fact. So the husband lets it drop that maybe he wants to do some of the project management. And I know right then the project is really over. I've lost control. It's never coming back. But I'm an optimist and I'm willing to work hard. And so I decide, you know what, let's do trade day and see how it goes. So at trade day, I get all of my amazing trades, whom I love, to show up and they do their thing and I do my thing and my team does its thing and the clients are moving around in a way that isn't typical trying to meet each of the trades and what they're saying to each of the trades I know because the trades were telling me is what can we do to save money how can we cut back what can we do to save costs and um, I would like to be the project manager the husband told the contractor so how can we work together to make that happen Following trade day, we now have a lot more information about the project. I'm aware, keenly aware, that the clients do not want to spend a million dollars. I completely understand that. That is a lot of money. Um, And I don't want them to spend more than they want to spend. So we begin to work on the project. But we hold back a bit because we know that some of the things we're proposing are going to incur costs beyond what they want to spend, which sounds like it might be around $700,000. So for example, we don't want to get into any major structural engineer work. So we're letting that inform some of the decisions we're making on paper and some of the choices we're making. And uh, I get a call from the client. So, okay, 
right there, I get a call from the client. Clients never phone me. They never have to phone me. Never, never, never phone me. When a client phones me, it's never good. What it usually means for me is that I have left them in a position where they don't know what's happening next, right? So we solved that problem many years ago by constantly telling clients when we would speak to them next. If I saw a client on a Thursday, I would say the next time you're going to see me is next Thursday. But in the meantime, this is what we'll be doing. And just telling clients that managing their expectations has allowed me to live with my phone not ringing anymore. My phone used to ring constantly with client questions. And it's not that I don't like clients, but I wanted to answer those questions before they asked them. So so it is unusual that a client's going to phone me. And sure enough, the phone rings and they want to have a conversation and they want to talk more closely about the fact that the husband wants to be the project manager. And for the second time in the project, maybe the third, I realize I can't continue down this path as much as I want to. As much as I know they're going to be extremely disappointed when I tell them I won't be continuing on with them as their designer, I have to do it. I have to do it because I know how this ends. I did it too many times where we're trying to save the client money by allowing them to do part of the work and something goes wrong, many things go wrong, let's be honest, not one thing, but many, many, many things go wrong every single day in the work that we do and we know how to solve it when we have control over all the moving parts. But when we don't have control over all the moving parts, we know how this ends, right? The client would be on site with the trades and I'm not there and the client would say, hey, I was thinking, what if we did this kind of window instead of that kind of window? Or what if we changed the tile to be a herringbone instead of a brick pattern? Or I was thinking instead of hardwood, what if we did carpet? And these kinds of things will happen on site if the client is left in charge of the project. They won't happen if we're in charge of the project because we will stick to the plan because we know it's a thoughtful, smart, functional plan and it's a plan that everybody's excited about. Trades on the other hand will get mixed messages because the client will be asking for all kinds of things to change and the designers will come in sight and say whoa what happened how did that change I didn't want that to change and that's no good either. It was really clear to me that I needed to let the clients go but another thing that held me back from making that happen was thinking about how my trades would react. In the old days, I used to get two or three different trades to come on site and quote on every job. And of course, at least two of them didn't get the job and often all three didn't get the job. But ever since I've started using uh, what we refer to as Kimberly Selden Design Group's 15-step project management strategy, what you refer to as Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, ever since I started using that, I only have my A-team come out and quote, and 99.9% of the time we get the job. So it did occur to me like, wow, this is a time where I had my team come out and quote, and they're not going to get the job. So what do I do? How do I manage that? So there's two things I want to talk about, how I managed letting go the client and how I managed informing the trades of that. First of all, the client, we had a frank conversation and I said, I really love working with you. You now have all your plans and you know exactly what the plans need to look like. 
and going forward, it's clear to me that you want to do the project management, which doesn't work for us. We've tried it. Uh, We've tried it, and we know it doesn't work for us. It doesn't work for our trades, and ultimately, we do not think it will work for you either. But it's clear that you are intent on fulfilling that role, and we don't want to stop you. So what I'm going to propose is that we turn over all the plans to you and you are now in charge of the project, which means you have to find other trades to work with. Um, I think they were surprised. I got the impression the husband wasn't terribly disappointed. (laughs) I don't know if that's true or not. Um, But that is what we agreed to do. And um, the wife... kept insisting, please, please, can you help me do the decorating? Can you help me do the decorating? And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to end this contract. And when you're all done and the house is built, if you want us to help you decorate, then call me. Let's just make a clean break. That was really important because in the past, I would have said, you know what? Sure. I tell you what, we'll hang on to the retainer and we will be on call. We'll be available for consultation to ask questions to come in when there's an issue. And that oh my gosh, I can't think of a more hellish experience than being in the middle of a project where you have no control over anything, no thank you, not even interested a little bit. So at least I had that much experience behind me so I could say without fail, I was not going to do that. No, we're going to end this contract completely. It's going to be a clean break. And then later, down the road, after the house is built, then if you want help decorating, call me. I doubt very much they will call me um, in a year because I don't think they'll have any money left for decorating. I really don't. I, But we'll see. I'll check in with you and I'll let you know how that goes. So the call went as well as could be expected. The client's ever lovely and gracious and wonderful, nothing but complimentary. They definitely would like to try to save some money by doing the project management themselves. Um, And so it really did end as nicely as possible. I do think they will be in touch with me when they have questions and I'm going to need your courage because my position has to be I can't get involved. I can't be sort of involved in a project. It's not satisfying. It's really not. It's happened to us before, right? Uh, It's been many, many years we were let go of a project. I was completely shocked that we were let go of this particular project. Again, they wanted to save money. And when we got a call back, the whole house was a complete disaster. Um, There were beams where there shouldn't have been beams. There were doorways that were smaller than other doorways in the house. Uh, There were bulkheads that never should have been where there was a bulkhead like the whole thing had gone off the rails and then the clients asked us to come in and try to get it back on track and of course we couldn't get it back on track not without spending a huge amount of money so we just made compromises all the way along and we did finish the project we ended up uh, having a really nice relationship with this family they regretted very much not using us for the whole thing I completely understood that but we were in a no-win situation and certainly we didn't take photographs of that project for our website because we weren't happy with the outcome the second part of the equation as I said had to do with the trades and I have amazing trades some of them have been with me since 1991 which you know you just can't buy that kind of teamwork and loyalty and love it's amazing and what was amazing is I I talked to my team about it and we decided we were going to send a hundred dollar Starbucks 
gift certificate to each trade who came out to acknowledge that they gave us their time and we weren't going to get the job. And what was incredible about that, every single trade reached out and said, thank you so much. No one ever does that. So first of all, a hundred bucks buys you a lot of cred, seems like. Probably $50 would have done it or even 25. Um, but my electrician, my plumber, my flooring guy, my drapery person, they all called or emailed or texted and said thank you so much that was you really didn't have to we totally understand we almost always get the work when we go to quote for you so we don't mind quoting for you um, and then a couple people uh, my GC said I knew that was going to happen I wanted to talk to you I had a bad feeling about the budget and uh, the kind of compromises he was asking me about on site and then the painter said I was going to tell you that I did not think that was your job I just had a feeling that they didn't want to spend money on quality and I just mm, I was going to almost going to call you and say I don't think that's your job isn't that interesting so um, it all worked out just fine now, having said all that, I want you to know I completely understand if you are new in business or you're going through a rough patch and you don't have enough customers, you may not be in a position where you can let a customer go. That might mean the difference between paying your rent and not paying your rent. So I get that and I appreciate that. And in that case, you're going to ride that train all the way to the end of the station no matter what. And there's no judgment around that. The important thing I want to emphasize is all of this would have been prevented. I'm 100% certain had I followed my own rules. 100% certain that had we done the presentation, we would have presented everything. It would have been over a million dollars. And at that point, the clients probably would have come up with a budget that was close to that in order to do the work. And everything would have been fine. I think it's important for us to talk about this kind of stuff because I don't know about you, but when I take a step off the path, when I make a mistake, I feel terrible about it. I feel bad about it for my trades. I feel bad about it for my staff. I feel like I let a whole bunch of people down. Um, and yes, it, the mature thing to do at the point when I realize I can't make it work is to let it go. So I'm happy I was able to do that. But, you know, it's a little bit painful knowing I caused the mistake myself. If you think you need one less problem, talk to us. Let us help you figure out how you can exit from a situation that is not bringing you joy or profitability or a situation that just doesn't work for you for whatever reason. Like I said, I hope someone will reach out and say, oh my gosh, happened to me too, or even Kimberly, you're an idiot. Here's what you did wrong. <laughs> I'm open to that as well. Wherever you are on the path, I hope you're doing great. I hope you will follow your own darn rules and protocols. And if you are tempted, I hope you will re-listen to this episode and remind yourself that you have those rules in place to protect you, to protect your clients, and they allow you to do your best work every single time. And that's where we all want to be our best work every single time. Thanks for being here. I hope I get to meet you face to face one day. Let's make that happen. Thank you for being a part of the business of design community. 
If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.